Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Living stones. Living stones that are to build up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Living stones, not just the facade of the building, but living stones, people. People who are involved in ministry. People who share and care and are involved in each other's lives. People who care about kids. Don't you love kids? People who are willing to pray. Students who are willing to pray. People, part of the body of Christ. Several weeks ago, we began our study of 1 Peter, and I gave you an outline for the whole book. And I want to remind you of that outline this morning, because this morning we are going to look at the verses that help us develop the theme of chapter 1. Living stones. And we understand that as living stones, it is suffering that proves our faith, chapter 1. Chapter 2, others are watching. Chapter 3. Nothing, I'm sorry. Chapter 2, testimony like Christ. Chapter 3, others are watching. Chapter 4, nothing but God. Chapter 5, elders are to serve humbly. And at the end of the book, it says that we are to stand firm. Suffering proves our faith. And we need to understand that in this life, we are going to suffer. Do you have any stress in your life? Any, anything happen to you? that kind of cracks you and distracts you? You ever want to go, ah! Renda, that was your cue. <laughs> I had an ah morning this morning. Got up early this morning and got in my vehicle and cleared the garage and cleared my street and got down. And I noticed that my tire report symbol said I had a low front left tire. Now I had a choice. I could turn around and go home or I could keep coming. I decided, well, if I'm going to deal with a low left front tire, I'd rather deal with it at home than the church parking lot. So I turned around and our daughter's visiting us with grandboys this week, and so I knew there was another vehicle there, and then traded cars with Connie. It was just kind of a moment, you know? Lord, I'm going to serve you. I need this time. You understand. But it was just one of those times in my life, no big deal really, but it was just, why now, Lord? Let me ask you a question. How do we know that our faith is real? How do you and I understand that the faith that we have in Jesus Christ is a reality for life itself? Does it work? And frankly, if it doesn't, it doesn't mean much of anything. You know, Scripture tells us that we are to walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, Hebrews tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, that doesn't seem to be too practical to me. 
But yet, God has given to us everything that we need for life and godliness. Let let me share a couple of truths with you this morning. Truth number one, there is no testimony without a test. Huh? There is no testimony without a test, and you and I are being shaped so that we can conform to the character of Christ. Dave, thank you so much for praying that this morning. Let me share another truth with you. Faith that has not been tested can't be trusted. And I want you to know that God, as he works all things together for our good and his glory, is molding us so that we know that we can trust him in every part of our lives. That brings us to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 6 and 7. Will you read these verses with me, please? This is our text for this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Let's read them together. We'll start with the reference. Read the verses, and then we'll end with the reference. All right, here we go. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. You see, the reality is this. Success in life is not not having problems. Success in life is biblically handling the problems that you have. Now, that seems pretty simple, doesn't it? But it's true because the test of our faith proves how genuine our faith is. Is there anyone here this morning who has never had a problem in their life? I was going to say you can go down and do the puppets. Success in life is not not having problems, although we would like it to be that way, wouldn't we? Success in life is biblically handling the problems that we have. And Peter helps us to understand that. Now to our text, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you rejoice... Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Trials are part of life, and grief is part of trials. May I remind you that the Lord Jesus Christ grieved? He understood that emotion. He went to the grave of Lazarus, and the scripture says he wept. John eleven thirty five. Also in that text, we are told that he was burdened because he saw all of those around him who had no hope. You and I need to understand that trials are part of life and grief comes with that. Trials, temptations, sufferings brings griefs to our lives. Our Lord identifies with those feelings of infirmities. He has been tempted in every way in which we have been tempted, yet without sin. And this natural human emotion of grief 
is part of our lives, and that's okay. Don't beat yourself up when you fall into various trials. Because the trying of your faith has a purpose, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. And grief is okay. And God understands our grief. Wherever you are, whatever's going on, what stress you have, God recognizes that in your life. There's a second truth that I want you to understand. Trials are designed to teach us and they can be golden. Did you note that the trying of our faith, verse 7, the genuineness of our faith is more precious than gold that perishes if it is tested by fire? You say, well, Lord, I wish I weren't so rich. Don't give me quite so much gold. But the reality is that the testing of our faith is a golden opportunity for us to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a politician not too long ago that said this. Never let a crisis go to waste. You know, in our lives, we should never let a trial go to waste. Because God has something he wants to teach us in the middle of that trial. I never have enjoyed tests. How about you? And the tests that I disliked the most were those pop quizzes. You'd walk into class, and we had a professor that told us to bring three by five cards with us because many days he gave to us a pop quiz that was to be taken on a three by five card. I was amazed at the information he wanted me to put on a three by five card. You know, it seems like so many of the trials, so many of the problems, so much of the stress, so much of our suffering seems to hit us out of nowhere. And, and it's this pop quiz. But I want you to know something. That pop quiz is a valuable thing in your life that God uses to develop the character of his son for his honor and his glory. Never let a crisis in your life go to waste. Never let a trial in your life get you down because God has a purpose in it. And it's so valuable that God says it's better than gold. Now, you may not feel that way, and I may not feel that way. But are we going to believe how we feel, or are we going to believe what God says? And in our lives, we need to understand that trials are designed to teach us, and they are golden. There's this third truth in this passage of Scripture, and that's this. Handled properly, trials re result in the praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ returns. That's the last part of verse 7, right? That we may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? He said this, Blessed are the persecuted, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. 
Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When handled properly, remember the success in life thing? Success in life is biblically handling the problems you have. Handled properly, trials result in the praise and glory and honor of the one who saved us and gave his life for us. Amen? So with these three truths as a foundation for us, I want to talk a little bit about the theology of suffering. This is going to go a couple of weeks. And we're going to look through God's word and we're going to end up back here in Peter. Because Peter gives to us six principles that are part of the theology of, of suffering. But, but I want to give you the first three this morning. We're going to do it fairly quickly. All right? To do this, you need to turn to Romans chapter 5. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. When we suffer, you need to understand this. Suffering has a purpose. I told you I'd mention that later. Suffering has a purpose in our lives. That is not something that takes God by surprise. This is not something that all of a sudden God is caught unawares about. Suffering has a purpose in our lives. Are you in Romans chapter 5? Let me begin with verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained also, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of glory. Not only this, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Being justified by faith, we have peace. Isn't it great to have peace with God? I am thankful that I am no longer at war with God. I am so thankful that because of His Son, there has been a declaration made that's justification. There has been a declaration made that we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to fight God. God's on your side. Did you hear that? God's on your side, and you do not have to fight him. God has sent his son so that you might know him. God has sent his son so that you might love him. God has sent his son so that you might have peace with him. God's on our side. Now, if you understand that, you can then understand that suffering has a purpose. And what is that purpose? Knowing that, understanding, realizing, recognizing, no minor inconveniences, Produces endurance. Endurance for the race. You ever just get tired? Sometimes I'm tired and I don't know why I'm tired. Sometimes it's a good tired, sometimes it's a bad tired. But God gives to us some tension in our lives at times 
so that we can be stretched and we can endure what is before us. Remember David? David had a test. It was a guy who was about this tall. In fact, he was taller than that. He was over nine feet. His name was Goliath. That's right. And David went before Goliath, and he slew him with what? A stone, a slingshot, right? Now, may I reverse David's life a bit? Do you remember what David slew before he ever got to Goliath? He slew a lion, and he have, I have on my bucket list. I want to take a bear with a bow. I'd like to do that someday. I will have a 44 Magnum on my hip, though, when I do that. <laughs> I was born at night, just not last night. But God prepared David to endure by placing in his life a bear. I'm sure David didn't choose that one. And a lion, I'm sure that wasn't top of his list. And when he got to Goliath, he could handle the issue. I'm not sure if you are familiar with the name Desmond Thomas Doss. Desmond Doss was a United States Army corporal who served as a combat, combat medic in an infantry company in World War II. If you've seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, you know something about his life. He was a conscientious objector. He refused to touch a firearm. And he went into battle as a medic. He distinguished himself in the Battle of Okinawa and received the Medal of Honor for actions above and beyond the call of duty. He's the only conscientious objector ever to receive the Medal of Honor for combat. That's endurance. Time and time and time again, he went in to harm's way to bring back casualties so they could be treated. Suffering has a purpose, endurance. Suffering also produces character, wisdom, experience, quality of life. Now, this, this isn't the character where somebody says you're a character. This is the character that gives to us a foundation for life and living that provides for us an understanding that perhaps is even beyond our years. And character hope, don't you like that? Hope never lets us down. And then confidence. 
Why? Because God's love's been poured out into our hearts. Suffering has a purpose. Not only does suffering have a purpose, but turn over to James chapter 1. Will you please? James chapter 1. In suffering, unpleasantness can bring maturity. James chapter 1, very quickly this morning. Verse 2, count it all joys when you fall into various kinds of trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Not only rejoice, count it all joys, Romans chapter 5. But here, here James says, Count it joy. Count it joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, it says here that we're going to meet them someday. I'm kind of an extrovert. Friends are, um, I'm sorry, strangers are just friends that I haven't met yet. And I, and I like to meet people. I don't like to meet various kinds of trials. How about you? But did you note that they give us steadfastness? They give us maturity? They give us complete. Rudrow Kroll said this, don't let your trials blow you down. Let them lift you up. So important in our lives. Unpleasantness brings maturity. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. One more, please. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Just back a couple of pages in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, verse 1, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Suffering reminds us of the finished work of Christ, who for the joy that was set before him. Now, did you note in Romans chapter 5, in James chapter 1, and now here in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about joy. Joy is not happiness. Happiness has to do with external things in our lives. Connie fixes 22-minute cake. I'm, I'm happy. Doesn't take much. Especially when she brings out the whipped cream. I like that 22-minute cake that's about an inch thick, and you can put about four inches on top of it. No carbs and whipped cream, Dennis. It's true. Yeah, Atkins. Did you notice the joy? And what was his joy? He endured the cross. Doesn't sound like joy to me. He despised the shame. Doesn't sound like joy to me. But here it is. He's now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the joy. That's the joy. 
And suffering in our lives ought to remind us of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's his given body and his shed blood. So what do we learn this morning? We learn that there is no testimony without a test. We learn that faith that's not been tested can't be trusted. And we learn that trials are part of life as is grief and they're designed to teach us some things and that's golden and handled properly. They result in the praise, glory, and honor of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It's okay. And they have a purpose. They really, really do. And unpleasantness is okay because it reminds us of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's what this is all about. Every time we gather around these elements, we are confronted with the finished work of Christ. His given body. Yeah. Endured the cross, despised the shame. His shed blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. But he's now seated at the right hand of the Father.